The title of today's sermon, The the Complexity of God's Grace. It's funny, all of this began to, to unravel and come into my mind and in my heart while I was sitting across the table at lunch with Kyle. We talked about all things communications as he is our lead in our communications department. We talked about websites and and we talked about uh, visitor items and health fair and how we can promote the great things that are going on at this church. Then we, we, we got to the point where we began to talk about the village. We talked about the heart of the people that go here. We talked about how we love to see each other coming. We talked about the programs that that are provided in this great space and how we just wish more people would know about it. Then we talked about the church, the church universal, the, the church as a whole. And he came into this great coined phrase that is part of our title for today. Because as we begin to talk about the issues that, that were, we were facing as a church and as a church body, as we begin to even talk about some of the issues that are being discussed within the Methodist church, we, we found that some things that were once black and white were now a grayish tint. And of course, according to Elaine's great sermon last week, we know gray is the hot color of today. But, but we found that the, the extensive expanse of God's grace stretches so far beyond anything that we could ever think or imagine. For his ways are greater than ours and his thoughts are, are greater than ours. That, that Kyle came up with this phrase and he just said, the complexities of God are amazing. He started to talk to me about how outside of the will of God, you you can see that God's grace is just complex. When you don't expect certain things from him, it it seems as if his grace is just kind of thrown different places. It is is amazing that he will look on people that we would throw away and cast out and say, that one, I need that one. And I love that phrase, the complexity of God. I loved it so much that I went home and began to look up the word complex and complexity. And what I found was that it means three things. It means to be composed of two or more related parts or to be complicated to understand or to be a group of interrelated ideas or activities viewed as forming a singular whole. And I begin to get excited all over again because this is a great explanation of God's grace in our lives. We know that we are who we are and we have what we have and his grace is more than sufficient because we have a a Godhead that is composed of two or more related parts. We have the Father, we have the Son, and we have the Holy Spirit. Amen. We, we understand that, that sometimes it, be, it can be complicated to understand God's grace because the scripture says that all things work together for our good, even when some of those things don't feel so good. And we know that God has created all of us to be a part of this great body of Christ. Therefore, we are a group of interrelatedness viewing to form a singular whole. You see, the, the, the complexity, as we would say, of God's grace fits so, so greatly into who God created us to be. 
And it is in this scripture that we find Peter illustrating this. We find Peter trying to explain the complexity of God's grace to the people, but the people are stuck in a mindset. They're stuck in the mindset of, well, those people over there don't look like us. They don't act like us. Their tradition isn't ours. They don't have the same history and heritage. They, they aren't holy and purified. We're circumcised. They're not Therefore. We can conclude that they are unholy, even wretched and heathens that do not deserve God's grace. Furthermore, Peter, if you continue fraternizing with them, they're going to mess you up and defile you and you will be just like them. <laughs> but Peter responds to them by telling a story. And I really love this portion of scripture because Peter takes his lead from Jesus. As more often than not, when Jesus was presented with a question or presented with an issue, he would stop and say, well, there was once and a story would ensue. We call them parables. And Peter starts this story off and he tells them how he was, he was praying and all of a sudden he saw a vision, a great sheet coming from heaven with all types of animals and beasts. He talked about how the voice of the Lord said, kill and eat. And he said, no, I can't kill and eat because nothing unholy and defiled has ever touched my lips. And I stopped there in my reading because I find that a lot of times we are just like Peter in this moment. God says, go and do, and we say, but wait, God, I can't do that. We argue with our creator as if he did not create us. We argue with the all-powerful one as if he does not have the power to see where this is going. But Peter in this moment says, Lord, I can't, and God responds and says, don't call what I deem clean or worthy unclean or unworthy. And at that very moment, as indicated by scripture, three men from Caesarea arrive at the house and there's a knock on the door. And they say, the spirit told me to come with them. And these six brothers accompanied him. But he, he says these, he, these words, the spirit said that I need to come and get you because you had a word for my household that would save us all. Now that's huge. Because so often we get lost in the I can'ts and the I won'ts and they don't look like me and they don't sound like me and they don't come from where I come from and they will never hear my voice and God, I stutter a little bit. And, and all of these excuses and what we find is God is positioning us for a very specific time, a very specific place, and a very specific people. And if Peter would have gotten lost in his I can'ts and I won'ts, that word that that household needed would not have been rendered. How many times have we along our paths been sent certain places, we've used our emotional triggers and, and our, our emotional responses to hang back and not go? How many times did God give you a word for someone and because you weren't familiar with them, you wouldn't give it to them, but it's the word that they needed to go that extra step away? How many times has God caused an intersection between you and a group of people that seem to be so outside of the realm of your influence that, that 
that, that seem to, to, to not understand you and not comprehend you, and you shrink back instead of standing just as God had called you to stand. It is those moments, it is those times, it is those places where God is trying to get the word to somebody that very desperately needs it, somebody that is thirsty and looking for something different, somebody that looks unassuming as if they would never hear your voice but watch everything that you do, and in that moment, we can't be so wrapped up in ourselves. Make it so complex that we forget the call of God on our very lives. The proof that Peter was supposed to go where he went is after he had shared the good news, the gospel with this household, all of them were saved, and they received the same gift few days, just a while ago, the, the rest of the people had received, and that is the Holy Spirit. It is in telling this story of what happened step by step that the people became silent. The scripture says they became silent and glorified God. That was another pause for me. How are you silent and glorifying God at the same time? You know, in, in, in thinking my way, glorification of God is not silent. There, there's organs and pianos and we are lifting our voice in our hands. We are giving all that we have. How, Lord, can you be silent and still glorify God? And in my reflection, what I found was this. The silence of the people in that moment indicated that their minds had changed. And that change of mind was glorification to God. Now, whether we want to admit it or not, the same way that these people were thinking in this scripture is the same way we think on occasions. We overlook the complexity of God's grace and the expanse of which it can span, choosing to rely on our finite understanding and being driven by our emotional responses. We allow the, the diverse ideas uh, that we have been fed in this sinful world to cause us to turn our backs on our brothers and sisters when God is calling for us to embrace them. We isolate and alienate people that are less perfect in our eyes than we are, forgetting that we were, are, and will continue to be imperfect people ourselves. If the truth be told, we are the ones that should have been overlooked and alienated for the things that we have done and continue to do. But God saw fit to look beyond our faults and fulfill our needs. God saw fit to look beyond the, the individuals that we were trying to be and to the purpose of who he called us to be. God saw fit to allow his son to die on a cross while we were yet sinners. God saw fit to give us himself. He extended his grace to us. So why would we then withhold it from others? Why do we fall into this trap of believing to, that in order to maintain our holiness, we can't be around the unclean, the profane, or the heathen, when in actuality that is who God is calling you to because your story fits theirs. What we find is this, avoiding those places doesn't make you any more holy. 
Avoiding people that don't think like you doesn't make you any more righteous. Contrary to that, withholding God's grace from somebody makes you unclean. Withholding forgiveness that God has granted to someone makes you a, a, a rebellious and a heathen. It is not always about the tradition that you have learned, but it is about the God that you serve. It has to be less about the traditional rules set by man and more about the gospel that is given to us by God. It is in God's grace that he washes us white as snow. It is, and his, it is God's grace that is given to us without prejudice and given to us liberally. Why, oh why, oh why would we not give it to others in that same fashion? We cannot be guided by emotional triggers no longer. Instead, we must be guided by the Holy Spirit who we know leads and guides us into all truth. It is not just what mom taught us. It's not just what dad taught us. It's not just what the traditions of this time dictate, but it's about what God is saying in that moment. As Peter tells the people, we must always obey God over man. We cannot fall into the fallible systems of this world. Instead, we, would, we should be enveloped by the infallible systems of God. Do not find yourselves drowning in the simplicity of the sin of this world, but instead find yourself engulfed in the complexity of God's grace. It is our call. It is our choice, but it is also our uh, uh, command to extend to all people at all cost for all time God's grace. Amen. Outside of God's grace, it's hard to understand the complexity of God's grace. That, that's one of the things that, that, that we came to the conclusion of. Outside of God's grace, it's hard to see how an, a loving God could go after someone who's so dirty in our eyes. It, it is hard to understand how God would go after that person that seems so unworthy. However, on this side of God's grace, within God's grace, we find that complexity has left because we know that God came after us when we were unclean. He came after us when we were unworthy. He continues to work and to develop us even today as we struggle with our vices and our superfluities of thought. It is easier on this side of God's grace to understand that God's grace as a whole isn't that complex. Yes, it has moving pieces. Yes, it is a part of a bigger system and picture than we could ever see. Yes, there are multiple things going on, but because we have faith in the God of our create, uh, creation, because we have a faith that is tied to Jesus who would give his life for us because we have a faith that the Holy Spirit is still the rule and guide because we know God to be God, then we expect God to be God. So in that moment, we found that God's grace isn't that complex if you expect the right things. I expect God to go after the lost. I expect him to send me to the individuals that will hear my voice. I expect you to have value in the kingdom just like I have value in the kingdom. I expect for us to pray together, to worship together, to eat together, to have lunch together, to communicate together, to do the things that God has called us to do, and that is to be a walking talking example of his love and his grace amongst this world that seems to have so much darkness. We are the light that God has created us to be. And as a result, we have work to do. 
the complexity of God's grace simply says this. The more we live our lives according to what God has before us, the more we embrace the things that God has placed before us, the more that we get rid of our emotional triggers and our excuses and the I can'ts and I won'ts and becauses, then we find ourselves less focused on the details and more focused on our God. Amen. Bow your heads and close your eyes with me. Today is an important day, I think, in all of our lives. Yes, I said our because it's mine too. It's important because in this moment we can choose to look at things differently than we looked at them when we walked in the door. We can choose to escape and walk away from the divisive items and tools that this world says are okay, but we in our hearts know are not. We can choose to go and talk to that person that, that God is sending us to, expecting that his provision and his promise are more than enough. We can choose not only to live in God's grace, but to be an example of God's grace and share that grace with others. This is your moment. It is your time. Because we have a community that needs us. And we need each other. Amen. Most gracious God, Lord, I thank you for all those that are under the sound of my voice. I praise you for their hearts. I praise you for their hands. I praise you, God, for their purpose. I ask that you envelop their minds and their hearts in a mighty way, Lord, that you would show them things differently than they saw them yesterday that they would look at things and not see problems but opportunities and that they would always seek for that answer to be simply the gospel. So Lord, as they have answers for their friends and they have answers for those that may not understand up front, I ask that they would stand firm in their convictions, that they would go after their call and their purpose and that they would be all that you called them to be right now Jesus' name, amen.